Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett and today I want to share a word about the Master of Leadership as I comment on John 1 verses 35 through 51. This passage reads, Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah's which is, being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and saith unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and saith unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? <laughs> thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now we are continuing to learn from Jesus as our Master and Commander. And today we come to the point in time when Jesus called to him twelve apostles, twelve disciples, to learn from him and to carry on his work. Now, in calling these 12 men, Jesus showed himself to be the master leader. We've already seen him as the master of repentance or the master of temptation. We've also seen him as the master teacher. But today we'll see his mastery of a vital skill, the skill of leadership. Now, I've been a student of leadership all of my adult life, and I still have a lot to learn. I've held numerous leadership positions in the military and in, in the ministry, and yet I know I am not a master leader in the way that Jesus was. 
For example, when I was a line officer before I became a chaplain, I served as a company commander in the Louisiana Army National Guard. One day, some of my staff, uh, full-time staff, put up a little plaque in my office to honor my efforts as their commander and as their leader. It said, I am their leader. Which way do they go? Hmm. Leadership is a craft. It's not pure science, and yet it's not done just for the sake of the art. It is a very practical skill, yet one that is not easy to define. And to paraphrase an old statement about art, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Today, we will see the master leader demonstrating his craft. We need to watch him, and we need to learn. First, as we just saw in this passage of Scripture that was our focal passage, the master leader was compelling. In the focal passage, we see that the master leader was a compelling personality. He knew that leadership is different from command. Command is defined by the legal authority to compel compliance. That's why bosses, that's why military commanders can punish people who don't comply with their orders. Leadership is different. Leadership is the ability to inspire the willing cooperation of those being led. As leadership expert John Maxwell said, if you look back and no one is following you, you're not a leader. Jesus was a leader because people followed him willingly, including people who were already seeking God, like Simon and Andrew. People who were sinners and outcasts, like Matthew and the sinful woman. People who were struggling to make ends meet, like the fishermen. Uh, people in the establishment, like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. All kinds of people follow Jesus, and this is a rare gift. And we must take full advantage of its power in the church and in our everyday life. Every church, every business, every place that has people who work, they look up to people uh, that they admire in their organization. And influence like that can cause good things to happen or bad things to happen or nothing to happen. Jesus said that good things and bad things cannot come from the same source. So leaders must be wise stewards of their gifts. We also see that the master leader had a moral character. If we look at John 2, beginning at verse 13, going through 22, it tells us that, the, that Jesus was a moral person. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep, and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews, and saith unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. 
When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. People invest their trust in their leaders. They believe them and they do what they say. They trust them with important parts of their lives and they expect them to take due care of this devotion and this commitment. It's like when a person entrusts a financial advisor to wisely invest their life savings. People invest their trust in their leaders. Therefore, leaders must be trustworthy. In the case of Jesus, we can see from this passage that he embodied righteousness. He could not abide in justice or pride or arrogance, and he revealed this when he cleansed the temple. He also showed this when he forgave the sin of those who were repentant, who came to him for that help, and also for those whom he healed. He was as comfortable proclaiming the woes on the Pharisees as he was in healing the ear of the high priest's servant on the night that he was betrayed. Jesus embodied righteousness, and that righteousness infused his exercise of leadership. We must insist that our leaders must be of the highest moral character. Too often, we shoot ourselves in the foot by focusing on gifting and job performance, but ignoring the issues of maturity, judgment, and morality. Leaders must be sure to guard their hearts, their minds, and their passions because the damage leaders can do when they fail morally is beyond measure. Jesus was also courageous. As the master leader, the master leader was courageous. Luke 5, 18-32 shows us that the master leader was courageous. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, brought in a, bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch unto the midst of before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? Neither is whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose before them and took up that whereupon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of the custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. 
And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Leaders being out in front of the group are exposed, and that makes them vulnerable. They often see things that others don't, and they often take stands that others don't. And this makes them easy targets for criticism. Jesus was the model of courage. He did the right thing all the time, even if people misunderstood. Here he forgave sin, not just heal the man. Then he called Matthew, even though he was a hated and despised tax collector. And he even had supper at Matthew's home. Some so-called leaders practice a form of lowest common denominator leadership, which is swayed or even dominated by public opinion. And while this is not really leadership at all, at all, it is very common among the politicians and other civic leaders of our day. Opinion polls drive U.S. politics more than convictions do. But Jesus was the master leader. He was not dissuaded by public opinion from doing what was right. Assuming risk is inherent in the process of leading. We must not be afraid to lead if we're called to do so. A turtle gets nowhere unless it sticks its neck out, and so we must trust God and enjoy His love. As 1 John 4.18 tells us, Perfect love casts out all fear. God's love is perfect, even if ours is not. The master leader was also committed. Luke 9, 57-62 shows that the master leader was totally committed. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man saith unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. A leader does what it takes to accomplish the mission. Jesus, of course, was the inventor of the phrase, going the extra mile, and he did that and more himself. Leadership is about helping people to overcome obstacles. It is also about achieving your goal while also taking care of people. One of my favorite leadership sayings encapsulates this concept. Mission first, people always. Mission first, people always. One of our biggest needs is for balance in our lives, in our work, and our leadership. Airplanes have two wings for a reason. They need both wings to be able to fly straight and true. When I was a young boy and I would get upset about something, uh, my mama would always 
tell me to straighten up and fly right. Well, you can't fly straight and you can't fly right if you are out of balance. And this idea of mission first people always gives us the balance that we need in our lives and our leadership. You see, uh, this motto begins by reminding us that we have a mission to accomplish. If we don't accomplish this mission, then we have no reason to exist. We have no purpose to exist. But we do have a purpose, and we need to carry that purpose out. And although we must put mission first, we must also understand that we cannot accomplish that mission without people. We cannot do our job without people. Therefore, it is incumbent upon us to always take care of people. And not only people at work, but people at home, in our communities, in our churches, and in our schools. Taking care of people is essential so that we can accomplish our mission, but it is also essential because it is the right thing to do. Let me put it this way. If we just focus on our mission, then we become bureaucrats. If we just focus on people, then we become politicians. We must have both wings to fly the airplane of leadership straight. Now, Jesus did what was needed to be done to achieve his mission and to take care of people. He turned water into wine, and so he saved the wedding at Cana. He healed the sick, and he revived the dead. He taught in parables, and he fed the 5,000. He put up with 12 whiny, ignorant, and misunderstanding disciples. And he died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again to defeat death and hell. Our leaders need to be committed as well. We must take responsibility because the saying, everyone's job is nobody's job, is a reality. We must follow the command of God from Paul in Galatians that says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Finally, we see that the master leader was highly competent. Luke 5, 1-9 reveals to us that Jesus, as the master leader, was highly competent. In fact, other places in the scriptures it says that Jesus did all things well. And we'll see that here too. And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left, Speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had uh, this had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished 
and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. Since followers place at least a portion of their lives in the hands of their leaders, leaders must be competent for their followers to trust them. They must be able to accomplish the task they set forth. What if there had been no fish in the net? Would the disciples have followed Jesus? <laughs> no. If leaders are not competent, they may be liked, but they will not be followed. To show their competence, leaders must lead by example. Unlike the church pastor I heard who hid in the church basement when teams went out to visit prospects. Also, to be competent takes work. We don't learn how to lead by osmosis. We must study and train. We must also try our wings and learn from our mistakes. Jesus did all things well, and leaders need to be competent to be leaders. In conclusion, as the master leader, Jesus set the standard for all those who lead. Jesus was, and still is, compelling, courageous, committed, competent, and he is of the highest moral character. He taught his disciples to be leaders who became models for Christians to follow down through the ages. As Paul instructed the church at Corinth, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.